0: yes we are back it is tinseltown tea episode 86 we are moving along so quickly um and it's amazing and if it's your first time with us thank you for joining us we love to see it we love to hear it we love to feel it this is the podcast where two black women uh Quite frankly, come together and stand for the black and brown creatives that are killing it in the entertainment industry. We do a would you rather at the top, you know, just to zhuzh it up, just to just to warm you up. And then we have a know better, do better, where we let you give you give you some encouragement, sometime resources, um, maybe something that we've, you know, come across during the week that we just think is good to share for writers. Um, next we have our news segment where duh. We go over the news. And then we have our main segment where sometimes we have interviews, sometimes we have script reads, sometimes we just do resources, all the fun tidbits. And then last but last, last but not least, hello, words. I know them. Um, is niggas you should know. And we just stand, we give flowers to the niggas who are killing it in the industry. So today we have um a special episode, and I'm gonna lobby it to my co-host Corey to go ahead and uh
1: do it, do what you do. Yes, ma'am, you better intro me, you better intro me, okay? So now I'm about to intro our guest for this week. She will be joining us for the entire episode. So Yay! y'all get to have her for more than just the interview, so be lucky, okay? Don't get don't get greedy, be lucky what you got. Okay. So we have Brittany Nicole. She's a multi-hyphenate, she is amazing. She's a writer, an actor, a comedian, a filmmaker, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So I will tell y'all more, but I'm going to let her tell y'all all the tea when we get to the main segment.
2: Just burr, 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 burr. Oh. Mm.
1: You want to mm. say, hey, Brittany, go ahead. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, very formal and amazing. All yeah. right. Yes. So, yeah, like I said, she's going to be joining us for the entire episode. Uh, right. We have three hosts this week, pretty much. Very I great. like it. Wow. We love to see it. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'll lobby it over back to Judith to do our would you rather to break the ice or whatever?
0: Yes. Yes, ma'am. All right. So would you rather I'm I'm giving us three choices and we all can go whatever. But you are given a choice to do one person's biopic. You have full control writing the right whatever you want to do. OK. And this edition is legendary Black women comedians, because we have a comedian with us. She's legendary, so it's it's only befitting. So the three choices: you got all the money, you got all the things. You don't have to go through any of the, the red tape. You're just doing what you do. We yeah. have Moms Mabley. If you don't know her, you guys, she is the first Black woman comedian on record on these United States. She broke down so many barriers through the vaudeville era. She's she's funny, and if you go back to her stuff now, you'll still laugh. Promise you. We have the e got herself, Whoopi Goldberg, because <laughs> duh. <laughs> and then we have Wanda Sykes, who's I mean, killing the game all throughout her career, period point blank. So those are the three choices. Would you rather do the biopic of mom's Mabelie, Whoopi Goldberg, or Wanda Sykes? All right. And let's
1: I'm let's... gonna <laughs> oh go my. Say...
0: Yeah, let's do let's let Brittany go first. Okay, and if and if you need to lobby it to somebody else, that is fine. You can pass. You could pass the mic. (laughs) Uh,
2: I'm gonna go with Wanda.
0: Ooh, why Wanda?
2: Uh, okay, I think it's probably the the easiest answer. Um, Yeah, I feel like she's still alive, so I'd be able to get like a—I mean, Whoopi is too—but be able Mm -hmm. to get uh, a lot of good details. Uh, seems like there's a lot of fun to be had with that little, uh, French wife of her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That will probably be fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think, I don't know, she's just like still going. And I feel like it's so rare to see those for people that are like still very much a part of the industry. And I feel like if we did it now, like it would just boost her to even yeah larger levels, which yeah. she deserves because she's hilarious and she's mm-hmm. great. So.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Nice. All right. Answer. Great answer. Oh,
1: yes, 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 uh, who yes. am I gonna pick? <laughs> cool you know, gave me a little conundrum today. Um, yeah, I love me some Wanda. And uh mom's Mabel, she's just a legend, but so, God so, damn it, I love me some goddamn Whoopi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got I got <laughs> I'm obsessed. I've yeah. been, since I was a little wee child. So uh it would be an honor to be able to do her biopic. I would literally cry and probably not be able Ugh. to do it because I would be like, oh my gosh. So yeah, I got 50 Whoopi.
0: Nice. That's a great choice. And I'm gonna be the outlier. I'm gonna say moms Maybelline. And I thought about this. Um, just because I love a period piece. I also love <laughs> Black people winning in a period piece and not always like, you know, oh, struggle, woe is me. Also, she's <laughs> funny, so that shit's gonna be hilarious. Also, I watched, um, at, I don't know if it was this season or the season before, but Marvelous Miss Maisel had um, a whole vignette at the um, uh, the Apollo, And there was a whole character in the background, but Moms Mabley came out. And of course, Wanda Sykes played her. And it was fucking amazing. Like, it was so great. And the whole time I was watching that, I was like, that's the show I want to watch. Like, okay, Marvel's Mabel's is good. But like, I want a whole motherfucking show about (laughs) the Apollo Theater and all the Black folks that came through and like killed. Like, I I would live for that. And I'm sure somebody's already working on IP right now. That's fine. Um, until I research it and do my no, like. goddamn no, no, no. self. So, okay, I'll research that. But yeah, I think her whole story, especially during vaudeville to be a black woman on stage doing the shit that she did and like to come through all of that and still be fucking funny and like hang with the, like hold her own, like, and she was so dirty with the jokes. It's like, there's something great about a, a, a female comedian who's just dirty with it. It's like, oh, I love it. So yeah, I would I would do uh mom's maybe for sure.
1: All right, nice. We hit everyone. Yes, <laughs> right. Everyone it worked out. A turn, a turn here on All <laughs> <Tuesday. laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So moving on to our next segment, which is our No Better, Do Better segment. We give you a, yes. tip, a trick, a lesson learned. something that should probably help you out with your writing, with your creating, or just with the industry in general. Mm-hmm. And this week, we're going to let our guests go ahead and take it. Brittany, what you got for him?
2: Uh, My tip is honestly to run your mouth. Uh, That's pretty much what I tell everybody. Like so many of the early jobs that I got are just from chance, like coincidence Mm. coming off of me talking in a space that wasn't necessarily like where you expected people to be networking. Um, Like truly one of the earliest jobs that I got that like led to a bunch of other stuff. I was just at the Abbey in WeHo and was just telling people, like, yeah, I want a PA. I want a PA. Uh, and then somebody asked for my resume at the club. So <laughs> you never really know. And you just have to, like, be, you know, not hustling constantly, but just being honest about what it is you're trying to do with all the people around you. Because you never know who's going to be the person who wants to lend a hand. It's not always the person that you assume.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, be vocal, guys. I I second that. You never you literally never know. Nobody's going to know your goals if you're not speaking on them and letting people know mm-hmm. what it is that you need. They can't help you if you ain't telling them. So, yes. Yeah. And also, keep your resumes at the club, y'all. Okay.
2: Keep that shit on
1: you. What is you doing? If you well, it was, a, a it was an email. Okay. Email. <laughs> no, go to the Kinko's, print it out, honey. Yeah, it okay, <laughs> put in the clutch, keep it in the car. oh No. Let's okay. Okay.
0: Yes, stay ready. So have to get ready. Okay.
1: All right, so we yes. can move on to the news segment, Judith.
0: Stop. Yes, that's right. Okay, so we're going to run through this quickly because we want to get to Britney. We want to we hear more of her journey and all of that stuff. So in the news, uh, the first segment, first of all, we get all of our um, news from Shadow and Act. It is a Black online publication that focuses on Black and Brown creatives. Again, like we always say, we encourage you, read all the trades, read all the things, Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, even Essence, all of the things, um, Blavity, all of it, so that you can be on top of what what's happening in the industry, especially when it comes to what we do as a culture. So the first headline that we have here from Shadow and Act, and it's reported from uh, Trey Mangum, All-American star Jalen Hall will play Emmett Till in the upcoming film by Chinoye Chikwo, okay? Uh, Forgive me, my African brothers and sisters, if I fuck up your names. My ancestors are cursing me out as we speak. So Jalen Hall, I I don't know if you guys watched the show. I have only watched like the first two seasons of All-American, and I think it was since it it went to Netflix. I think it might be a second distribution um, for the CW, but um, he's a breakout actor, um, and he's going to be playing... Uh, the iconic role of Emmett Till in the upcoming Phil Till. And it's from Clemency direct- director, like we said, Chinoye Chekwu. So he joins Danielle Deadweiler and Whoopi Goldberg on the, t- yep. on the project. What a coincidence. So he's gonna be alongside the EGOT herself. um, And if they chose him, that means I'm pretty sure he has enough of the acting chops to uh, go ahead and do it. So um, Goldberg will also be producing it along with uh, Kenneth, excuse me. It is Keith, not Kenneth, but Lord help me. Keith uh Bo uh Bochamp Bo Champ? There we go. And also the project isn't the only one about Emmett Till. A lot of times, um, you know, production companies have different versions of stuff. We're seeing that with um the Aretha Franklin story. Um, so ABC anthology project, Women of the Movement will also feature Till's story and his mother's. Uh, fight for justice. So this will be through the eyes of Emmett Till's mother, um, and how she had to pretty much do the unthinkable and bury her child through this, through a hate crime, basically. So yeah, he will be playing that. Congratulations to him. Um, super heavy stuff, but if they chose him for it, then I, I believe he has all the acting chops to, to handle this role. So shout out Important to you, young story. man. Important story. Sure. Truly. All right, so next, everybody's getting these deals, honey. I'm like, okay, overall deals, (laughs) get the checks, get the checks. So next we have power creator, Courtney A. Kemp. She inks a huge overall deal with Netflix. Netflix is good. They were like, are you black? Do you make shows? Are you a woman? Come on over. So I love it. Um, She's moving from Lionsgate. And as you know, Power has all the sequels on sequels on, on prequels food. on sequels on prequels. Okay. So, um, yes. Yeah. So this was, I believe, first reported, um, in deadline, but yeah, the creator of Power Universe has inked a multi-year overall deal with Netflix. Um, so she's going to be at the streaming giant and she'll be developing new series other projects as well <laughs> along with Netflix um okay. she'll write and executive produce all the projects through end of episode banner which is I believe her production company so um the move uh to Netflix from Lionsgate is where she um re-inked her initial overall deal back in 2018 so this is right. uh this is big things <laughs> mm,
1: big big thing big okay.
0: okay okay one day, one day I hope to be this stressed out over a deal um this big, <laughs> like, oh, no, or just to walk in and be like, that's right, Netflix, you want me, damn it, sign the check. <laughs> um, so next in the news, um, this was, I mean, I'm not a big Sonic fan, but I just was surprised. I mean, shout out to the casting directors, they're getting all the big names in this, but um, Idris Elba to play Knuckles in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, so- no. I didn't see the first one. I'm glad the, the franchise is thriving. Okay. Yes. Um, so, yes. Oh, Are that's we, the red one. Yes. You the red one? Yes. I had to look up what the animal was, really. I was like, okay. This red <laughs> Hang thing. Off. Okay. Excellent. Um, so Jeff Fowler is returning as the director and Ben Schwartz will be the voice of Sonic again uh, with James uh, Mardosan, Tika Sumter, Natasha Rothwell. Yeah, get the checks. Um, Adam Pauli and Jim Carrey, who makes complete sense in any voice voiceover acting. Right. I, I mean, my God. Um, also, Shamar Moore is also joining the cast of the sequel. Like, OK, okay <laughs> get you. Listen. Get your check. I'm glad your manager has you working, Shamar. You're not just a pretty face, okay? I want to know. What, I want to know what his um his uh, uh character will be. That's for sure. So yeah. So a uh, fan favorite character, Knuckles, is depicted mostly as an ally to Sonic, but sometimes as an adversary. So Elba can you can see you know Idris stay working. You know he's on Suicide Squad, which I just saw like yesterday, and. How It it was good, actually. A lot of I didn't see the first one. So a lot of people say it's better than the first one. Sure. um, It is very bloody. I don't know why I didn't expect that to be so gory. (laughs) Um, I am not a blood and gore girl, but it is it's it's worth a watch. I think it's good. Yep. And yeah, of course. And he's also in um, The Harder They Fall on Netflix, which I think is the Western that will be coming out soon. So well we'll double check that. All right. Well, well done going on in the sonic and uh we kept this one last but not least sweet life los angeles um this is the unscripted project that Issa Rae is putting out (laughs) their reality series if you get a chance go check out the trailer um it's giving me the hills but black i remember back in the day they had baldwin so i think that it felt like it gave me that vibe where it's like you know People in their 20s living lives I wish I could have access to probably one day. So those are me manifesting that. And (laughs) so, I mean, listen, if you want to see Black excellence, like, it looks like this is all of that and you will get some reality TV, you know, T. I don't think it'll be as messy as Love and Hip Hop or any of those like that. Although I do love those. Um, this seems like we'll really get like an intimate look into all of these like young people's lives and um, to show a different side of like you know successful Black people in LA. And of course, you know, uh, LA and a lot of the cities is where um, you know we change the culture quite frankly, especially in the entertainment yeah. industry. So this I'm excited for, and it's cool to see Issa come out with some um, unscripted stuff to see the range of what she can put out. Um, But we already knew that because she'd been doing that with um, Color Creative from day one. I mean, ever since I was brought into the earth, I knew that. So yeah. (laughs) So that is that. If y'all get a chance, (laughs) check out the trailer. You can see all these beautiful young people and get the background on them. And um, yeah, that is it for
1: the news. All right. Thank mm-hmm. you for that beautiful rendition of uh-huh. the news this week. Mm-hmm. We're going to move into what y'all been waiting for. Hey. The main segment. Okay. We got Brittany Nichols here. Mm. She's about to let us know what's going on. She's about to give us a tea, give us some, some lessons, and we're going to walk through her journey. So I was going to read her bio, but what I'll actually do is let her give us a recap of her career in her own words your journey you know just being a creative let us know the whole thing (laughs) it's gotta be the whole thing whatever you want to say child when you handed your script
0: your resume over in that bar honey
2: (laughs) it was so good so good uh all right well (laughs) i'm originally from chicago um i went to yale i played basketball and rugby then i'm Yeah, I moved to Minneapolis and worked for a social justice nonprofit for a little bit. Mm. Then I moved to the Bay Area and was there for a year uh, doing freelance marketing consulting and running sports camps for kids Mm. uh, because I just had no idea what I wanted to do. And Mm. I would get home from work and just be exhausted because working with kids is tiring.
1: Mm. Uh, And I would
2: like take a nap, get up, make what I called dinner at the (laughs) time, which... (laughs) <laughs> was younger, it was probably just like blue box mac and cheese. Come
0: on, uh, and crap. okay, <laughs> come and sponsor the
2: show. Matter of <laughs> fact, but yes, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, crap. <laughs> and I would uh, just watch primetime TV, and at that time, that was like Community 30 Rock. Mm. Uh, it was a lot of half hour sitcoms that sort of the things everyone binge watches now. It was on live TV at the time. This was before everything was streaming and you could just All watch everything. Um, <laughs> yes. And Community and uh, what else was out? Happy Endings. So Happy Endings was like my <laughs> shit. Happy Endings was my show. Um, and one of the community writers got on Tumblr and was like, oh, I knew I wanted to be a TV writer when I realized that like being nerdy and funny could be a job. And I was like, oh, it can? And then (laughs) I was like, oh, maybe I should do that. And I just start like researching all these people that I was fans of. I was listening to like a lot of podcasts, watching a lot of stand up and sort of put together that everyone was doing uh, something called UCB. And they had theaters in New York and L.A. And I was like, "Okay, that's also where the TV writing happens. I guess I should move to one of those two places. Uh, Thank God I did not pick New York uh picked LA and just got dropped off by my ex-girlfriend <laughs> she just dropped me off here and I found ah. an apartment the same day amazing wow. um, That's a yeah it was okay incredibly reckless and <laughs> just moved here and start doing stuff I would like once I realized that I wanted to come here, I start PAing on like uh, indie features. And so since I was just in the Bay, I would occasionally, again, this was not that long ago, but this is like a, a world of difference. It's 2011. Mm-hmm. I would get on Craigslist and find people who were like driving from the Bay to L.A. And I would just pay them like 30 bucks. You could just pay people like 30 bucks and they would give you a ride. And that's no. how I would get here. And I would just go PA for a bit. And then I would like go back up. Wow. So eventually wow. just got dropped off, moved here, was PA for like drag race, doing a bunch of like indie features, doing a bunch of like student films at like USC, um, getting experience that way. Mm-hmm. Then I did a web series called Words with Girls and put that up on YouTube. And that uh was, you know, it was like decently popular. Started to get my name out there in like online queer spaces, um, got a little bit of a Twitter following. Uh And just, like, sort of segued one thing into the other until um, I was on this listserv for Black people in the industry. Um, And Denise Davis, who is Issa Rae's producer, sent out an email that was like, hey, does anybody have half-hour scripts? And I was like, yeah, I do. And just cold emailed this script uh, that was a half-hour version of Words with Girls to her. And Issa ended up picking it to be produced as one of the first three pilots that Color Creative, like, ever did. And this wow. was before Insecure got picked up. Uh, so she had uh, more time on her hands than she <laughs> <does>. <laughs> uh, So we did that. She, I, like, essentially, like, show ran a pilot, which is like, wild, because, like, one of my first experiences in the industry was essentially getting to, like, EP and showrun like my own thing that she helped with and they helped produce and like mm-hmm. taught me all this stuff <clears throat> Uh and we produced this pilot for like $50,000 and Jeez. then we were supposed to like go out and try to sell it. And that is when Insecure got picked up. <laughs> <laughs> Just in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect timing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: that's amazing. That's an amazing story. Like I'm wondering before we even get to like some of the projects that you've done, how did you like maintain in that like period of like, I'm a PA, like I'm paying bills. I'm also going after my dream. Like how did you balance? Okay. I got to pay the bills. Cause I feel like, all of us writers and creatives are always in that space, depending on where we are in our career. So how did you balance? Okay, I got to pay the bills and I got to eat and I got to create. How did you find a way to like keep yourself disciplined, but also like you said, with the fed, with the, you know, Kraft macaroni (laughs) and cheese.
2: Um, I had just never not been broke really. And Mm. so I, there was no like sacrifice really. So when Mm. I moved here, I was just like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to try to get, you know, a side job of waitressing or like doing any of that stuff. I'm just going to truly be like scraping by. I know that that's just what it's going to be. And I'm going to just do that until something hits because I don't want to get distracted. I don't want to use my energy. Like it's hard Mm. having a a job that you got to go to like 40 to 60 hours a week. (laughs) I just know myself and I know how my mental health works. And I just knew Mm. that like, that just wasn't going to be the option for me. So I was writing for this website called Autostraddle and they were like able to start, they start being able to like pay people. Actually, once I like a little bit into me moving to LA, cause I'd been writing for them for free again, just trying to like build my voice and build my audience. Uh, I was doing just random ass shit. I was doing like background acting. So like but not like extra like cool mm-hmm. shit on sets. I was like at like Judge Mathis, like shit like Come that, on. where I'm just Come like on. sitting in the audience. That's cool, at,
0: though. At I, I, <laughs> I love a court I show. So this is great. I love a court. I love a divorce. I love it. So
2: yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just doing stuff like that. uh Riding for Autostraddle, picking up, like doing like marketing mm-hmm. groups, like focus mm-hmm. groups. I was doing just like yeah. anything to, to put, Pinch pennies together, really. Yeah.
1: yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. talking about Words with Girls, your uh, web series. So how or when did you decide that you wanted to kind of make that leap and start creating this series?
2: Um. It, honestly, it was like a friend in college who told me about screenwriting and stuff. And that was sort of her dream is like to be a screenwriter. And I was like, oh, because. I don't know, at Yale, it just wasn't like a thing that a lot of people did. We didn't have yeah. a screenwriting discipline. The only sort of entertainment-y thing was like film studies. And I didn't want to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So she sort of had like planted this, the, I guess, seed in my mind like years before. And then I was like a huge fan of Broad City. And then when they got there, Daily Comedy Central, it was like sort of the age of web series where it was like, oh, this is yeah. like an actual path that you can still break through in that way you can like Mm -hmm. still find a way to get attention whereas like now I feel like things have sort of moved away from that it's so saturated everyone has like sort of figured out like oh if I can get my hands on a camera and do all this blah 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 and at that point I was still like sort of putting that all together but since I was like PA and stuff I had I was able to meet people who were essentially in the same position as me where they were like Mm -hmm. I'm doing this right now I'm like you know, second assistant, I'm second AC, um, you know, uh, a PA for talent and whatever. I want to do this next thing up. I want to do this next bump up. And so my whole pitch to everyone was like, I'm gonna let you come DP. I'm gonna let you come direct. I'm gonna let you do what your next step is. Uh, And all you got to do is like, come do it for free and (laughs) or cheap. And, you know, we we are all doing this together. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. and, And that was like sort of a good enough a good enough way to get people on board for the web series.
0: No, that's dope. I love that like barter system of (laughs) talents where it's like, you broke, I'm broke. Let's do this. We're going to create together. No, I think that's perfect. And that's a great way to like, build your experience you know what i mean like to put something down on your resume um moving forward i wanted to talk about your movie suicide kale um and how you came to put that together um and if you can explain that in your own words to the audience and kind of i don't know the what was the first of all what was the timing from suicide kale to um words with with girls and
2: then how it came together Um, It was a few years after that, I believe. I think Suicide Cale was like 2015, I want to say. And um, I'd had a couple of writing jobs since then. I'd done like Billy Mm -hmm. on the Street. Um, I'd done this show called The Experiment that was on BET that like directly happened because of Words With Girls. That was my first room.
1: And I didn't Mm -hmm. have like a
2: manager, agent or anything yet. And because of that pilot, I was able to get on that show. Um, And... I, you know, started in Words With Girls. And so I was like doing some acting and stuff too. And again, just from like going around, running my little mouth, I ended up getting (laughs) (laughs) getting cast on Transparent because I'd run into uh, Soloway, who was the creator of that, just like Mm -hmm. at like a pride event or something. And I had done some Funny or Die video with someone who they were friends with. And that person was like, this is Britney, she's so funny. And literally the next week I had um, an offer to be on Transparent for like three episodes just from like running into this person and someone That's like amazing. that for me. Um, so I used the money from being on Transparent to do Suicide Kale. I just took like a mm. few thousand dollars that i gotten from that and put it towards Suicide Kale. And that came from um, me wanting to work with my friends. Again, it's just like another group of people who had like, you know, Been on shows, been around, but hadn't been in a situation where they felt like they were like necessarily being creatively fulfilled. And I had been watching a lot of Mumblecore films at the time. And like Mumblecore to me is just like one white dude who's like, I'm here to do it all. I'm going to write, I'm going to DP, I'm going to direct, I'm going to do all of this. And I'm going to do it with no money. And it just like felt like the antithesis to like the way that I wanted to create. And I was like, okay, what if we took that same model of, we can do all this shit ourselves. And we made it like a group collaborative effort. And so that's like why the film is partially improvised. All the actors like were um, weighing in on like their characters and stuff from the beginning. Mm -hmm. When I did the outline, I was like running it past everyone that was involved and just being like, how do y'all feel about this? Does this pop? Like, what's up? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And then we just went out and did it because like, again, I feel like the, these systems aren't built to represent or uh, like show people that look like me. I'm not someone who like you really see like genderqueer woman, lesbian like on TV a lot. Like it's so mm-hmm. even now it's there's so much more representation than there was at the time. Yeah. Like I used to tell yep. people like oh if I want to see somebody who looks like me on TV like the person who's looked the most like me on TV thus far is me. Like I, it's just yep. me and it shouldn't be that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. uh yeah and so we just like pulled together we all agreed to again work for free or cheap and like you know I'm still paying people now like from residuals every time I get a residual check I'm still cutting checks to all the people that uh mm-hmm. invested in the project because so I was amazing. like you know you, you, eventually you'll get paid It's not gonna happen right now but yeah. <laughs> we got you eventually <laughs> and Thank people you. just were happy to do it because again we were like homies and it was something they believed in and it ended up like launching a lot of people into like the next step of their career. Cause it's like, once you're able to say, you know, I started in a future, I directed a feature that's going to open a bunch of doors. Mm, So
1: what would you say kind of is the biggest lesson that you learned from like creating your own web series, your career, literally making your own movie that you wish you would have known before you started that would probably help somebody else.
2: Sound is very important. <laughs> Ooh, say that. Say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you got, if you are doing stuff on your own and you're like, where do I want to spend money? Don't don't bother with your little fancy lenses. <laughs> like, get you a sound person. It's going to save mm-hmm. you a headache down the line, and mm, keep yeah. people fed. That's the thing. As long as you have, Found if people fed. are doing you favors, make sure your craft is on point. Make sure your lunch. Is on time and hot, and everybody likes it, all and right. people will stay happy.
1: <laughs> there you go. Cause people
2: get hangry. If okay, they get angry, it just mm-hmm. goes downhill. Oof,
1: I just. See. calamity all over <laughs> the place. Hey, no, that's just safe.
0: No, that's the realest. Honestly, <laughs> that is the realest advice. Um, okay, so you've been in several like writers' rooms, and one writers room that i'm i'm a huge fan of is black lady sketch show um season 1 you were in a part of it i'm wondering one what was in black lady sketch show what was, like your favorite sketch to work on um i've had I mean, I have favorites, but I'm going to let the guest say her favorite. And then what what is your experience working? Is there a difference working in a sketch writing room as opposed to a different type of comedy writing room? Or is it the same? Or does it depend on, you know, showrunner, all that stuff? So,
2: yeah. Um, I'll start with the difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, sketch is uh, so much more work. God mm. damn. It is so much more work intensive. Um hold on, let me plug my computer in actually, so before yeah. I really get going. <laughs> oh, shit! We about to get the tea team!
0: We about to get the tea of Tinseltown tea with this, okay! Woo, let me get myself together, I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. Woo, go ahead, she just had to plug it, we're back! Okay, let's get into it! Are we fighting?
2: <laughs> um, so, the deal with Sketch is, so much of it is Actually, just writing the sketches, and then once it's written, it's like yes or no. So mm. much of it is having to show up with pretty well formed ideas. Because, like, the way that room works isn't just like you come in with like this half baked, like, what if somebody like was wearing apples as a dress? It's like you cannot come you in with like half ideas like that. You have to like pretty much have like the beginning, middle, end, what the twist is mm. already. And you mm. got to come in with a few of those a day because mm. not all of them are going to like work. So like, if you, once you get the hang of it, then it's like, you know, Oh, this first one, I got it. This is going to be the one everyone's going to like this. It has all the pieces. Mm. But since that show was like, you know, completely different than any other sketch show that has existed, like right. all black world, like coming from a perspective, from that perspective and like us having to like teach ourselves how to even come from that perspective. Cause Never before had I been in a room where it was like, oh, everyone is Black, and that's just baseline. So many, like, so much of the time in comedy rooms, it's always working as the other, right? You're being, Mm, like, you're identifying yourself as the other, which is, like, really Mm -hmm. fucked up when you think about it. It is, like, oh, all of my jokes are based off of, like, what the white person's reaction is going to be, what the outside world's reaction is going to be. And once you remove that as a possibility at all, Mm. You just have to, like, come at it from a whole different angle. Mm. So, Mm. yeah, coming up with those ideas and, like, having to actually write every single day. That's not what, like, half hours are like. So much of half Mm. hours is just, like, shooting the shit, coming up with ideas, pitching, coming up with story areas, coming up with outlines. And that's just, like, paragraphs here and there. And then you get off on script one or two times for the whole season unless you're, like, a super, super high-up level writer and it's, like, a smaller staff. Usually you only have to do the physical act of writing in a script a couple of times for like 20, at least like 20 to 30 weeks. And it's just like such a such a different experience. And it like really works your joke muscles. It really works uh, your point of view muscles. It really works just like your idea creation muscles.
0: Yeah, yo, that's dope. And what was your favorite uh, sketch to like work on? Mine was baseball. I love that. I I I can watch that. Over Honestly, over and yeah, I that it is
2: baseball. Um, mm-hmm. which I didn't even write baseball. Ashley mm-hmm. Nicole Black wrote baseball. A lot of people mm-hmm. think it was me because it's like very gay, but Ashley is bi, so she mm-hmm. knows that shit too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just being in that space and like getting to see really dope performers. I think was like what was so special about that. Cause those are people that I've seen just in the LA ball scene. Like i have seen a lot of those people out dancing, voguing, doing all that shit like in their element. And so to be able to like give them a space where they could like really work and shine was was really fun, and I got to be in that sketch. So, like, trying not to fucking like, yeah. embarrass myself, <laughs> <laughs> so like, dancing next to these like fucking professionals. I'm like, hey, please tell me if this is <laughs> insane. That
1: is too
2: funny. You killed it though. So, yes. don't
1: worry. don't worry. <laughs> um. Okay. So. Just going back to Suicide Kill for a little bit, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. got accolades. That was your that was your first yeah. movie that you made and you got accolades on accolades for it. So how did it feel when you kind of got that first accolade for, you know, this movie that you put your time in and you
2: made? Uh, it was amazing, because honestly, we had no idea what the reaction was going to be and if we were going to be able to get into any festivals. Uh, because, like, mm-hmm. the way that the festival submission process is set up is, like, all of the big ones sort of have the earliest deadlines, and then the LGBT circuit, which is, like, what we did the whole roundabout of, uh, those dates are later. But it's one of those things where if you get into one of the non-queer big festivals, like the Sundances, the Tribeca's, the whatever, the uh, South By's, whatever, then you're set. Because then all the queer festivals, honestly, which I do not agree with. Just program whatever got into those other festivals as their headlining movie. So like the opening Mm. and closing movies are just whatever the straight people were like, this is good, and then the queer people just go like, you said it's good, so I'm gonna make it the stars and stuff. Wow. Wow. So I was figuring out how like again, I just was like putting it together as I went and figuring out how to do all this shit as I go um and as the producer i was like emailing all these festivals being like well we have people who are on these shows like you should pay attention to this because of this this is like the style of filmmaking that we're doing and we i think we got close in a couple of them like i know we got close on like south by and then we like ultimately didn't get in and then the first festival we got into was like this tiny festival called like queer hippo and at that point we were like fuck, maybe this is the only thing we're going to get into, so I guess we just have to take it. And that was, like, our world world premiere. None of us could go, because it was, like, (laughs) we didn't have money to, like, drive there for this (laughs) tiny-ass festival. And then we ended up getting into, like, the Outfest, the New Fest, like, all of these other, like, the Fest in Chicago, all the, like, big city queer fest we ended up getting into. And they were, like, oh, will this be your world premiere? And we were, like, no, the world premiere was at Queer Hippo. Because that's how the dates were set up and we didn't know what was gonna happen. <laughs> so it, it was wild because then, you know, we got to end up I got to do a lot of traveling with the film and mm-hmm. um which also as a writer is pretty rare because you know people don't give a shit about writers, they just want the director or the star. And only because mm-hmm. I also starred in it did people mm-hmm. give a fuck <laughs> that mm-hmm. I
1: was there. That's yeah, the, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's so true. Yep. It's
2: very true. <laughs> like they don't exist, but they create the story. But
1: yeah, it
2: doesn't true. go away. Let me tell you, even in <laughs> TV, people are like, "That oh. was incredible." Those actors, wow! Did they just make that up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, writers came up with that. I'm serious. Like y'all don't no. see the, all the parties, all yes. the kikis. Everyone's just like, the writers are not invited. You have to like beg.
0: Yo, that's why. See, okay, then that's my next. I'm glad you said that. So like, I heard that. And what I was taught is that when you're a writer, at least in television, you have a little bit more power in terms of how you want the script to be as opposed to a movie. Like with once you give your script to a director, if you're not the director, they just take it and run. So is that a myth? And if that is true. Like in what ways does, do writers have a little bit more power in that industry? I know you were talking about more social aspects since, you know, Mm -hmm. the world truly ain't shit, but in terms (laughs) of
2: like, (laughs) Uh, you know. Yeah, it differs a lot. Like in movies, yeah, sometimes like they'll put a different, they'll put different writers on it and all that sort of stuff, which I'm sure people have talked about a bunch. Um, Mm -hmm. But in TV, again, it differs. It could be Mm -hmm. one of those situations where like your showrunner will just take your script and just throw that shit in the trash. You'd be like, "All right, here's the script that I'm writing, and your name is still on it." This has not happened mm. to me. This is happened right, to right. Friends of mine. Right. Um, but it can happen. But it for sure can happen where they just will throw yours yeah. out and your name is on it, which is fine. It's still good scripty, but <laughs> it, it's not really your words. Mm-hmm. And then there's sort of that middle ground where um, the room, the entire room, is sort of writing all the scripts together, like. Literally, it's like on the TV, on the projector, on the screen or whatever, and everyone is just like line by line writing it together and they put a name on it. There's the version where you like actually do pretty much write it um, and then turn it in, which is, has been a situation mostly for me where we do the outline together. You go home with the outline, you write your script and you can pick whether the stuff from the outline goes in or you can replace it and you sort of like have yes. a, a fair amount of autonomy over it that's and then dope. of course like things will get pulled out and replaced depending on what works or not but you get an honest shot at like making something that truly feels like yours
1: that's dope okay and then kind of so you're pretty much a multi it like i've said you you do it all seems mm-hmm. like you know you write you act you you know can produce you can do some directing. So what would you say are kind of the benefits of knowing how to do all those different things? Cause you know, there's certain people, a lot of people who only stick to one lane, they're only writers, they're only directors, they only act. So what are the benefits of kind of being in those different buckets and at least knowing how to do those different things when you're creating?
2: Um, As far as a writer, it is so helpful. It's so, so, so helpful. I mean, just producing as you write knowing like okay we we don't want to use a billion locations can I condense some of these locations I don't want to you know have a bunch of people that just have one line that that gets expensive when you got to pay for somebody for a whole day and they only got a line like just considering stuff like that as you write so that you don't have to like make have a bunch of fixes down the line for just like tiny stuff like that and you know a lot of people like to be like well we'll write it as big as we can and then we'll have people like scale it back and i was like yeah sure if you want to waste your time like be my (laughs) guest or you can just like write with that stuff in mind to begin with um as far as like acting I I say all of my scripts out loud, so hopefully by the time an actor is seeing it, there's nothing in it that just like reads funny or sounds weird or is hard to get out. When I'm at table reads, I'm paying attention to the little words that actors change because you just never know. It's just so much easier when you get something as an actor and you're like, I don't have to do nothing. This is perfect. This all flows. This is easy to memorize. Cause that's mm. also one of the surest ways to know if something is well written is if you can yeah. just memorize it easily. Shit that it mm. takes you forever to memorize and it gets chunky and you get hung up because you want to say this word and this doesn't flow quite right. That's the writing. That's not the acting. That's the writing. So like figuring mm. all of that stuff out before I'm even sending my script off because I've had all these experiences is like super helpful. And paing honestly, like, I think everyone should like PA. I think everyone should like be in a room before you're show running, before you do any of that. Mm-hmm. Cause even just like treating people with respect, knowing what somebody yeah. is going through, like so many mm-hmm. people that get called out for being assholes or you don't like working with them. Like it's because they just like lack basic human empathy. And like, if you go through those experiences, it's just so much more likely that you'll understand like, it is not the fucking PA's fault that they fucked up the order at the restaurant. Just like shit like that that just so easily throws off the energy in rooms and on sets. You you don't have to like worry about that because you're not going to be the person in charge or the person with power who's like throwing a fit.
0: Yeah. Mm. Mm. Super Super Yeah, super, super helpful. I'm wondering, going back to just your process and the fact that you can do all those things, how do you prepare... And find your voice in the different sort of hyphens that you're in, right? It might be a little bit different as an actor. You're kind of taking on a voice, but how do you prepare as a writer? And then like, how do you prepare as an actor? How do you prepare as a producer? Like, how do you, how are you able to like switch hats and transition? Maybe it's not seamlessly, I'm assuming, because you know, you're amazing, but um, how do you do that?
2: <laughs> um, I mean, I think just knowing your strengths for each of those things like sort of like as a producer I know that my strength is that like I'm a workhorse I'm gonna email everyone that I can I'm gonna send like little funny and again it's because of these other skills I'm gonna send a funny email that's gonna make someone laugh That's gonna be more likely that I get a response whereas everybody else who is co-emailing probably just getting ignored mm-hmm. um I know what my strengths are in the room and so I'm able to like tell people like this is what I'm good at this is what I like to do and so I'm not going to end up in a situation where somebody's expecting something of me that I don't feel comfortable giving or that I'm not interested in giving. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really just like knowing your voice in every single aspect of the work that you're doing and being honest about the things that you like about the job. And also admitting that like, you don't know everything. Like at the beginning of your career, you might be mm-hmm. like, this is what I want to do. And then you go and do it. You're like, that is not what the fuck I want to <laughs> do. <I can't laughs> do this. But like, not, and, and also realizing that, like, not everybody is going to have an empire. Like, if that is your whole goal in mm. this is to just, like, run the whole town like that, you're doing this for the wrong reasons. You have to be really mm. in touch with what it is you want to be providing to audiences, what it is that is fulfilling for you to choose this career. Because it's not an easy career. Like, people, it seems like it. Uh, in a lot of ways it can be if you like play your cards right and you like make very conscious choices but so much of things are left in the air so much of situations that you get into you don't know how it's going to be you don't know if your showrunner's going to be cuckoo you don't know if you're going to be in a room till 3 a.m every night you don't know if your show is going to get canceled you don't know if your show is going to be a hit the pressure Mm -hmm. that comes with that so like all these things like you don't have the answers to, so you have to have the answers about like who you are and what you want to do.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. That was a word. Oh, Shan I'm in for real.
2: Yes. That mm-hmm. was a word. <laughs> mm.
1: Okay, so we've talked about you know some highlights, some accomplishments, you know some of the good things that you've done in your career, but kind of tell us about what was a difficult moment in your career where you kind of felt like damn, I want to give up, you know, and how did you kind of overcome that? Because I'm sure a lot of people have those moments in their career that kind of pushed them away. Um, but what was kind of a difficult situation for you and how did you overcome that to continue to keep going?
2: Hmm. Um, I don't know that I ever had a moment where I was like, ready to give up. I think that the hardest, I've had several hard situations in my career, honestly, and a lot of them have uh, come from racism. So Mm. I I think that what has prepared me for those situations and what helps me move through them is that I'm not afraid to not have things, which sort of goes back to like the original attitude that I had, Mm. which is just like, I'm broke. What's the fucking worst that could happen? Mm. And that's sort of, I think, it's important not to lose that of like, well, what is the worst thing that can happen? If I do this, what's the worst thing that can happen? And what I found is that this whole, like you getting like blackballed for standing up for yourself and blah, blah, blah. Like that's not fucking real. I stand up for myself all the time and I have only been blessed. Like it's not, Amen. Amen. It's not actually like, and this is not to say that like don't people don't get screwed over. Absolutely. People do, but like, yeah. If that is what you are afraid of, you're never going to be able to stand up for yourself because there are gonna be so many times where people are on fuck shit with you. and if you just lay down every time, you're, you're gonna be miserable and you're gonna keep getting jobs where you're not getting respected and you're not uh, getting promoted the, the way that you're supposed to. like I've turned down like multiple jobs where it's just like they're just not giving me the title that I want. they're playing with my money. And that's the sign right away, right from jump. I know you don't fucking respect me or you don't respect black people. You don't respect queer people. Something about you is fuck. And I Mm -hmm. want nothing to do with it. And then Mm -hmm. I'm gonna move on and I'm gonna get a job where that's not an issue. So I think like when those moments happen where somebody is like on some bullshit with you, you just have to like accept that like, there are a lot of people that are on bullshit. This is not like the only time. It's not the first, it's not the last. Mm -hmm. And it's just Mm -hmm. about like knowing who you are, what you want to do, what you, what respect you deserve, uh, yeah, I just you got to know what you deserve. Mm. Mm. Amen. That's I know, you accept that. <laughs> Listen, know your worth,
0: niggas. Know your worth. Truly know your worth. Nah, Some real, real shit. Know, know, know your yourself.
1: Worth. Know your worth. Okay. Thank you, Drake. Yes. <laughs> right. Thank you, Drake, Mr. Aubrey.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So with that, what has been like? your favorite project overall it could be your own it could be like whatever you've worked on big or small like what's been your favorite thing to do that you've like looked back and been like yo that was that was great
2: uh honestly like suicide Care was my favorite but that feels like a very boring answer so I would say <laughs> right now the show that I'm on because that's mm. that was under my control of course I'm gonna like the shit that I'm in charge of <laughs> but <laughs> Right now I'm on a show called Abbott Elementary and it's honestly the happiest wait. I've ever been in a room. It is wow. so fun. It feels like we're doing something new. It's black people. It's like just a network show that I think hasn't existed before while still being like solidly from that tradition of all those shows that are like, like the office, Parks and rec. Like it feels mm. like so much of that is present in the show while at the same time doing something cool and new and the work environment is great which is you know uh, you're not uh, it doesn't happen as often as you'd think. <laughs> oh lord. Well mm-hmm. this is amazing. This is the one with uh, Quinta starring in it. Yeah so like I I actually was like in a web series with Quinta for BuzzFeed like a long ass time ago. That's how we met yes. and we would only, we really only like ran into each other around but then obviously mm-hmm. she was on the Black Lady Sketch Show and she was mm-hmm. always yeah. like I yeah. love your sketches. And mm-hmm. so when I wasn't going back for season two, she knew she had the show that might go on. So she was always like, well, what are you doing? What are you up to? Yes. <laughs> and just kept in touch with that process. And then luckily, you know, it, it worked out. I, I didn't take any jobs, honestly, because I was like, I really feel like this is going to get picked up. And I don't want to be tied to anything else when that happens, because I want to work on this.
1: Mm, discernment, yes. Okay, <laughs> Come on, trust in your gut. Come on. <laughs> okay intuition <laughs> okay. um okay so what are kind of like some future goals that you have for your career so when it's all said and done and you look back what are some things that you want to be able to say that you did
2: oh man that shit changes every damn day. <laughs> It really does. Because sometimes I'm like, yeah, I guess I want to be a showrunner. And then I watch the showrunners and I'm like all oh, the shit they have to do. And I'm like, no, I just want to be a high-level writer, collecting my checks without real responsibility. <laughs> God, okay. So so it varies because, I, you know, I think I do want to have my own show. I think that that's like sort of been the, my goal since the beginning. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in a good place where it's like, Okay, that might never happen because, like, the chances of that ever happening for anyone who's in the industry are like low. But at the same time, it feels like, oh, but you're pretty good. So if you like really hauled, <laughs> if you like really, really went for it and you really were like, this is the thing I'm trying to do, and I was out pitching like every season, had a new show, I feel like it would happen. But you know, it's also that thing of like, is that what I want to do? Do I want to put so much of my energy into just trying to do this thing just to say I did it? Or do I want to just have a job that I like, go towards the things that call me and just like be honest to what I'm always feeling rather than like trying to meet this goal that, you know, again, is just like arbitrary. Like I got into this because uh, I think people should be able to define what success looks looks like for them. For every Mm -hmm. single person in the world should be able to define exactly what success looks like and right now I feel like I'm already successful. I feel like I've done so many of the things that, you know, as a younger, as a young person now, like I never could have, never would have dreamed I would be doing, you know what I mean? Like I'm writing for a show with someone that I grew up watching on television. Like I wrote for a BET after School show. Like that was when I got home. That's the shit that I would watch. Wrote for the VMAs. That's the shit that I would watch all the time. So it's like, I've done so many of the things that if you could go back and tell a child me, they'd be like, you, you did what? Like they would just, <laughs> I'll just lose my mind. And to me <laughs> that like feels like success. Like I have friends, I have uh, like people that honestly I call family that I've met via doing this work. I, I, I'm happy. I like the way that my life looks. I feel secure. I feel like I can take breaks and like, Feed other parts of my life. Like Mm. honestly, there's no like big goal that I even have at this point. I just like I'm making decisions as they come and doing what feels right.
0: Mm. That sounds amazing. Balance. What a notion. Mm. (laughs) 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 Wow, that's amazing. And I think I love how you defined like your definition of success you define that and it actually helps with what happens in this town which is a lot of comparison trap type of shit like you feel like oh this person has all this stuff i have to try and get that but honestly you just have to focus on yourself on what's right for you in the moment as you move forward to your goals so i think that's yeah that's dope as hell um yeah i, I think and if this might be the final question but corey jump in afterwards with everything um what would you like to plug Um, of course you have Abbott Elementary, but what else are you working on that we can like touch base on or something that may be coming back, all the things?
2: Um, I mean, really, that's it. Abbott, uh, Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen Suicide Call, I would say watch that. Um, honestly, the thing that I will plug is like my organizing work. I'm a community organizer in LA with a group called Ground Game. Uh, Mm -hmm. so if you are in LA, please follow ground game on Instagram and Twitter because uh, local politics is where it's at national politics mm. is a scam uh, I mean all politics is a scam but you can have so much <laughs> more of an impact if yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. you engage with shit locally so I just encourage people to pay attention to that um, I just helped out with this GoFundMe if people heard about the fireworks blast in South LA uh, the cops went to South LA and uh, blew up some a truck full of explosives. And it damaged a bunch of people' houses, a bunch of people's houses. It displaced oh a bunch of people. So if you go to my Twitter, at be hilarious. You'll see the GoFundMe link. If you go to my Instagram, at would hilarious. You'll see the GoFundMe link. Just trying to help raise money for uh, a woman whose uh, partner died um, a month after the explosion because of the stress and the injuries and all that bullshit that the cops wow. caused. So, wow, that's okay. awful. So we're gonna yeah, sorry, to bring, sorry
1: those, to bring it. No, in. but <laughs> hey. like, wow, I'm about to cry. Um, <laughs> it's okay. So, but it's a call to action.
0: Yeah, go yeah, ahead, Corey. We're gonna
1: put all those links yep. in the description for y'all. So y'all better click on all that stuff. Yeah, so donate to the GoFundMe and check out Ground Game. All right, mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and say that. So last question: mm-hmm. What kind of legacy do you want to leave?
2: Hmm. Yeah, you know, I want to leave a legacy that allows people to work outside of these systems because I think that's one of the hardest things for me. And why I did Suicide Cal out of the system too. Uh, I think it was like the burgeoning of the person that I've become now. That was like again just like the sproutings of it without me exactly knowing. This is why you're doing what you do. You know, sometimes you just do shit and you look back and like, oh, that's why the fuck I was doing that. <laughs> um, just like having actual alternatives and actual ways to create things that are sustainable and viewable and um, made by creators that are made by Mm. the workers and the workers get to profit because right now I'm Mm. well aware that I work in a system where like the people that are making the most money are the billionaires and like even though tv writers get paid well once you reach a certain point that's still just like such a trickle of the money mm. that we are creating for these huge fucking corporations and it's all fucked up. And we are part of the labor movement, whether people, whether writers like mm. and creators and actors and all that really um, take that to heart, it's true. And we have to start owning that and trying to figure out alternatives to the way that things are because we are just making money for people that do not give a shit about us i know i know that's right come through with the words come on
1: (laughs) she came through with the mouth of all you hoes okay x X. (laughs) that's
0: my jam you talking my tongue
1: right there (laughs) come on and that's facts yeah i mean yeah it's definitely facts all right so do you have any more i mean i said that was last question but do you have any more judith no, I think okay. we've we've covered it all. Unless there's
0: something you want to share from the heart, Brittany, that you wanna. I mean, that was a great note. I mean, god damn,
2: but you know, yeah, period. I don't wanna okay. be okay. <laughs> period that thing. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I just want to say thank you all for having me. very great. Uh t- I had a great time. Uh, I think you're all doing great. Uh I hope you all nothing but success in this uh decrepit ass industry that you all have also chosen to be a part of. <laughs> And that is the tea.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That is the tinsel town tea. Okay. (laughs) All right. So thank you, Brittany, so much for coming on. We -hmm. had a great time too. This is a great conversation. I literally have learned so much just from talking to you just now. So, and I'm sure anybody who listened is going to learn a lot too. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming through. Um, Yeah. We can just segue to our last segment. I don't know if you, I'll, I'll give it to you, Judith, because you're- Yeah, crazy. I
0: mean, y'all already know. Um, It's the niggas you should know segment. We said it at the top. We had the nigga at the top all the way through the whole conversation. She then went ahead and blessed y'all with so many goddamn nuggets, so much resources, so much facts, so much truth, and also to keep y'all woke as hell and a call to action, quite frankly. But um, yeah. Yeah. Brittany Nichols is then that you should know. She's clearly like well on her way. Um, she's living her best and balanced life. But um, you can check out all of her all of her work and has the nerve to be right. out here <laughs> fighting for the motherfucking cause. Like goddamn, like, and still have a balanced life. Like honestly, y'all should. If you get a chance to see the Zoom, her skin is amazing. Like no like blemishes and still doing all these things. Truly, <laughs> like it's it's so good. <laughs> Truly. But yes, and if you don't get to see that, (laughs) see all of her work, (laughs) like see all of her work, support all of her work. Um, Go ahead. We have everything in the description. Ground Mm -hmm. game. Follow her at uh, B.I.S. Hilarious. Right. Or do you say the whole whole thing? B is hilarious. Yes. B is hilarious. And make sure you follow her on all the things. And quite frankly, make sure you have that call to action. And remember, like, the biggest thing I learned, at least today, is know your worth. Don't be afraid to, like, stand up for yourself. Don't be afraid to continue to work on your craft. And, like, don't be afraid to, like, stay true to yourself. Because truly, it's like the authentic people who really push through the bullshit that is this industry that we were reminded of and are able to like really share their genuine voice and really add to the culture in a way that's like really impactful so yeah shout out to britney nichols the nigga you should know period point blank follow her on all the things and uh yeah that's
1: it that's okay. it put a period on that too mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, y'all better all right so <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and shut up before i start running my mouth some more Good. follow us on things Tinseltown town tea y'all know yep. what it is and uh yeah thank you again Brittany, for coming on and i hope yes. that you guys learned something from this conversation bye, bye.